All right. So I, it's my great privilege to introduce to you um, my very good friend, Brian Clark, and I met. You can come up here. We met in, in uh, uh, Colorado Springs, and he ran a small group for me for years. He was one of my absolute best small group leaders. Worked for Andrew. This is one of the most faithful men of God I have ever met. And uh, he pastors a wonderful church in North Carolina. Uh, they started about four months after us, basically. It was their launch date. And um, so anyway, I just wanted him to come and share with you. So you can receive from him. Good to see you. Good to see you. Organized then say praise Jesus. Amen. It's awesome to be here with you guys. Man, this is this is awesome. Um, let's uh, let's pray. Amen. Amen. Father, I just uh, thank you, Lord, that uh, you are here right now, and God, that Holy Spirit, you're just going to be a tour guide this morning, Lord, and just take us through your Word and just uh, take us to, to deeper revelation of you and and who you are, God. And so, Father, I just uh, thank you for that, God, and I just praise you for. And I pray you open people's hearts and open their minds to just maybe new ways of looking at things and new possibilities in the Spirit, Father. So, Father, we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 I, I am super excited uh, to be here. Uh, Max already introduced me, but uh, I got to know these guys, got to see. Uh, it's great to catch up with like Josh and Nicole and then uh, Neil and Sarah and just all these people. It's like a homecoming for me, just all these people I've gotten to to know and, and just over the years going to Karis Bible College and being in Colorado Springs, it's just amazing just to get to see all you guys and so excited for everything that uh, God's doing here in this church. This is an awesome church. Amen. Don't tell my church I'm thinking about quitting and coming here and helping y'all. That was awesome. Casey, that was awesome with worship. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, we'll edit that. I guess. <laughs> this is amazing. So uh, I don't know how many of you guys consider this your home church, but if you do, how blessed are you to have them as pastors? <laughs> and so, and here, here's the thing I know. Um, many of you guys, maybe you know Max on stage and Molly on stage, and you know up, up here, and he's an amazing teacher, right? One of the best you've ever heard. He's a better person. There's a lot of people who get up on stage, and they're not, the per they're not as good of a person as they are a teacher. And that's the highest compliment I can give him. And he's just an amazing, amazing person. So if this, you consider this your home church, consider yourself blessed. Come help out with the vision. Get involved every which way you can. Uh, if you don't consider this your home church, man, I think God's telling you you need to come here. So <laughs> That's not a prophetic word. That's my opinion, but it's, it's awesome. So, all right. Um, I want to get on with my, uh, I want to get on with my assignment. So what um, Max had asked me to come out here in December, and I had kind of prayed through some different things that I could share on. Um, and I had a lot of stuff, but you just know when you've heard God. And uh, I had something really good prepared on Tuesday, and then the Holy Spirit interrupted my plan on Wednesday. <laughs> I, was, I was looking forward to, to his voice, because it's, it's terrible getting up and preaching under without the anointing. Uh, you know, God's always here, but when you're saying what he wants to say in a word in due season, it's powerful. Um, it's just amazing. And so uh, what I want to talk to you guys today uh, about is experiencing God in 3D. And that's all about having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. 
And um, the best way I know how to set this up is if you've ever been to a, a 3D movie, what's the difference between a 3D movie and then just watching some action up on a screen over here? 3D, you feel like you're in the movie. The dinosaur comes at you and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> thing's going to eat me, right? Whereas if you're watching a 2D, it's like, oh, okay, he's about to eat that guy. About to eat Jeff Goldblum or whoever is in <laughs> Jurassic Park these days. But it, it's different. And, and what I've noticed in, in my years of, of being a Christian is a lot of people, a lot of Christians, they, they live life in two dimensions. They're watching God up on the screen. They're reading this, and I love the word, and they're reading about Jesus and everything that he did. They're reading about David and everything he did, and it's amazing, but they don't see themselves as part of the story. They don't see themselves in the movie. They're not having an encounter where they're hearing God every day. They're, they don't see uh, when situations come up and there's miracles needed that God will flow through them and bring forth the miracle through their hands. It's his ability, but it flows through their hands. And so many people don't see that. It's like they're watching life on a screen instead of experiencing life. Amen. And that's, that's what we were called to. Um, my, my journey in this started, uh, I was 12 years old. Some of y'all are looking at me, I'm like, you look like you're 12 years old. <laughs> like 25 years ago. So. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I hope you age good. So, <laughs> but, I, but I started this journey. I was uh, in a worship service on a Sunday night in a church, a little small, little small church in North Carolina. Probably 50 people there that night. And uh, we're, we're worshiping, and then the pastor gets down off the stage, and she went and grabbed the hand of this woman that was in a wheelchair. And as a woman is about 30 years old, um, had a, we knew her at the church. She'd been in good health. She had had a stroke. And now she's in a wheelchair, can't walk. And then the pastor gets off stage and comes in and grabs her hand and begins to dance her around the auditorium. Hallelujah. I'm choked up thinking about it. Um, you know, and I mean, here's this woman. She can't walk, and then God heals her. And it was like, oh, my God, I've just met God. And I was saved, but it was like, <laughs> that's a whole new dimension of God I had never experienced before. I had read about miracles, and I had read about stuff, and, and my mom taught me a little bit about that, but I had never really seen that. I had never experienced it. It wasn't part of my reality. And all of a sudden, it changed me, and it ruined me on religion. Now, I was 12. I didn't really sell out to Jesus for about 10 years after that, but still, it changed me, and it was like, I couldn't just do religion. I just can't do Stuff's part of the reason I like picked up and moved to Colorado Springs and go to Andrew Womack's Bible College because I, I need to figure out that somebody knows how to operate in the power of God. I gotta have miracles because if you're Christianity without miracles is not really authentic Christianity. Amen. And so um, it just it absolutely revolutionized me. And I, and I want to kind of contrast this. And um, I'm real nice and stuff. So if I say stuff that's not nice. Max will come back and he'll explain it all better next week. <laughs> but I had this gentleman come to our church a couple months ago, three months ago. He's probably about my age. He pastored a couple of churches, and, and uh, he was just looking to find a place he could volunteer, and he called me up one day, and, and he, was, he was like, um, I've, I've checked out your website. I've looked at your statement of faith, and he's like, but I really don't know what y'all believe. And I'm like, 
dude, I'm, and this is what I'm thinking. I didn't say this, but I was like, dude, our statement of faith has like 20 points. Like, what do you mean you don't know what we believe? <laughs> Man needs a savior. <laughs> Jesus is the savior. We, we need Jesus. Gifts of the spirit. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Like, I've got like all these things. And he's like, well, I don't know what you believe. And I was like, well, um, what's your question? Maybe, what are you looking for? Let me, you know, how can I answer uh, your question? And he's like, well, are you guys like Reformed theology? Are you like Armenian? Are you like Calvinist? Like, what do y'all believe? I understood where he was coming from, but I was like, I don't, I'm going to tell you my testimony and, and tell you how God changed my life. And this is what I was about. I was a wounded, broken person at 20 years old. Seeing that miracle at 12, God transformed me. I found myself in Jesus and then God was on the inside of me. And that he, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lived on the inside of me. And that I could go out and pray for people and see them get healed. I could go out and, and, and believe for miraculous stuff. And I could see miraculous stu- stuff. That the maker of the universe, because I've broken into secure kid, he made me the accepted and the beloved. Yeah. Made me absolutely, nobody, I never accepted me. And all of a sudden I found God accepted me and like all my little weird quirks and idiosyncrasies and the stuff I don't like about me, God, not only does he accept me, he made me accept me. All the stuff that people don't like about me, God loves about me. Yeah. I don't have to apologize. And I'm like, and I begin to kind of preach to the guy for five minutes and tell him about how awesome God is. And I just want to help people get a revelation of that because most people don't know that. And he was like, yeah, but what do you believe? (laughs) (laughs) He hadn't been back, but um, (laughs) super, super nice guy, though, means well. But he's like seeing a story up on a screen. What's your theology? And I'm all in on good theology. I mean, we can debate it and have coffee and whatever. And we can all look at the story on the screen, but where is my place in it? How does God want to flow through me? Where am I in the movie? What's my part? And the Holy Spirit wants to lead all of us into encounters where we experience the miraculous, where we experience Him. I'm not watching God talking to the screen. I'm not watching God talk to Jesus. Awesome as that was, God wants to talk to me. I'm, inv- I'm, in a, I'm invited in to participate in the movie of life. I get to experience God in 3D. Amen? If you've got a Bible, go over to Matthew 27, verse 51. And this was a scripture that... I'm going to kind of break this into two parts unless the Holy Spirit just totally messes me up. I would love... Matthew 27, verse 51. I want to, what I want to look at first is just something God showed me that maybe, I know you know this if you've been coming here for a while, and, um, but just who we are in Christ. But hopefully maybe I'll say it in a way that you haven't heard it. And then how to release that, right? How to release that. So Matthew 27, verse 51. I'll never forget reading this in June of 2006. I'd seen all these miracles and stuff, and I, I just and I was wanting that. I was wanting like to see that. I, I like I'd heard about it, and I'd watch like an Andrew Womack, or I'd watch a Kenneth Copeland, and I'd hear about the testimonies and the miracles that would happen. But like, God, I, I want to see that for myself. And you know, I, I kind of gone through. I was always praying and praying for power and praying for more and whatever. And this just it just absolutely revolutionized the way I saw myself. And it's Matthew twenty-seven, verse fifty-one. It's right after the crucifixion. Uh, Jesus, Jesus dies, and it says, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. 
the veil of the temple is torn. If you know Bible history, and I don't even know how I knew this other than it was an encounter with the Holy Spirit that He took me and showed me stuff that I had never been taught. Later, I heard other people teach this, and I was like, oh my God, I heard God. It was like 26 and didn't know nothing. <laughs> but God showed me that the, what was in behind the veil was the presence of God. It was the Spirit of God. And then it was like the Holy Spirit asked me in a moment, where did that go? Veil's torn. Where did the Spirit go? And all of a sudden, I had this revelation. Oh, my God, it moved on the inside of me. I'm the temple of God. I'm the tabernacle. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and, and the earth quaked. And then it was like, then the Holy Spirit gives me a tour of the Old Testament quickly, talk, uh, stuff I'd read about uh, as a kid and heard about as a kid, uh, about the Ark of the Covenant. You know, in, in, in the day of Moses, so Moses, he, he had like the first portable church in the history of the world. <laughs> they, had this, they had this thing called the tabernacle of Moses, and they had to go like set it up. They'd go move and like set it up and tear it down. And so it's, it's uh, so, but in, the, in that they had, they had this thing called the Ark of the Covenant, which was basically God in a box. It's like this box, and they would like put it on these poles, and the priests would carry it everywhere, and and uh, that was God in the box. And people always say you can't put God in a box. Well, He did to Himself for one time, right? <laughs> so, but they would carry. But everywhere they went, they would have victory. They would have favor. They would have these amazing things. And it wasn't based on the children of Israel. They didn't have the ability to bring victory to pass. You would see, like when the when the um, the ark got stolen, they would lose. It wasn't anything about them. And boy, that really helped me a lot because I knew how inadequate I was. Um, I had been told that through life. And so like when all of a sudden I found out, <laughs> when I found out, man, it's not about me. It's about the Spirit of God, the presence of God on the inside of me that's going to cause me to be victorious. It's going to cause me to succeed. It's going to cause me to thrive. And I don't, there's no pressure on me. It's all on Him. And that's on the inside of me. There was a, there's a man, uh, you can read this, uh, it's in 2 uh, Samuel chapter 6, I believe. It's a man named Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom, the ark got left at his house uh, for a couple of months, three months, something like that. The Bible says he was blessed. He was blessed. He was favored because the ark got left there. <laughs> he began, to, he began to, to have all this victory and all this financial prosperity and whatever else to happen, all because the ark's there. It's not a thing about Obed-Edom. He didn't get any smarter. You know, it's the presence of God. It's amazing. That's, I was telling some of the guys who were, they were setting up this morning, I was like, this, this deal with us getting a building, it's like... I couldn't make this happen. I mean, we're a church plant. We're, we're, you know, like four months younger than you guys. I'm like, we don't, we don't have the money for it technically, like right now. And the spirit, we do. But I don't have the money for it. I don't have the... God brought the same thing, the same building to me three different times to show it. It's, the building's like worth a million bucks, the tax value. We're getting it for less than half. It's like supernatural favor of God. I had three different people bring it. I'm not going to tell the story. I'll get lost telling the story. But it's the favor of God. I couldn't have made the thing happen. I would have had to disobey God to not do it. Well, <laughs> it was just, it was like, I'm not smart enough to make that happen. There's a lot of things I've tried to make happen. You won't hear stories about those. <laughs> but there's no, there's, there, there's you know, lasting monuments to my pride. But man, when God gets into doing it, it's, it's amazing. It's the favor of God. 
So that's, that's Obed-Edom. And then in Joshua, Joshua chapter 3, the, the priests, the children of Israel, they have to cross over into the Jordan. They have to cross over. And what do they do? They put the ark on the poles and the priests carry the ark into the water. As their feet step into the water and they begin to step, the water begins to part. The water begins to move back. Miraculous. I want you to imagine that. Y'all don't have... I, I'm, Got ocean real close to me. Y'all don't have ocean close to y'all, unfortunately. If y'all yeah. ever want to come, you know, check out a beach in North Carolina, it's yeah. it's all, it's amazing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm three hours from the beach. You, know, you can't go. You can't come to my church and and and. Uh, but if you're looking for a good church to visit while you're at the beach, you know, you drive up three hours or something. But it's amazing. But imagine next time you're at the Atlantic Ocean or the Gulf of Mexico or the Pacific Ocean, and like you get in and like water just begins to part. Yeah. Imagine, see that, see you doing that. Like, why not? That's the same power that's on the inside of us. But too many people, they, they lean to human reasoning to try to accomplish things. I, um, this, uh, go over to 2 Samuel, you can, no, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 5, you can turn there while I'm telling this story. This, the power of God will do more than, than human reason, than human intellect. This, uh, this summer, how many of you guys like Todd White? Yeah. Todd's, Todd's awesome. Todd came to Winston-Salem, and so I went and went to a bunch of volunteers there and, and helped out. And, um, it, was, it was awesome. But they would, basically what they would do is they would have the morning sessions, and then they would send us out on the uh, ministry teams out in the street. And so we'd go pray for the sick. We'd lead people to the Lord. It was awesome. And so I had a really good friend of, of mine that was there. He, he runs a Bible college down in Belize, and he and I have done some ministry together and um, seen a lot of people get healed and legs grow out and all sorts of really cool stuff. And um, it was amazing. And so but he and I walk, we're like praying for people. And, and then all of a sudden we walk up on this bar and we see there's like this bar and there's like this porch outside on the street in downtown Winston-Salem. And uh, we, he just, Craig just starts talking to the guy. He just starts uh, telling him about how much Jesus loves him and everything else. And the guy's like, I don't believe in no God. I believe in God. There ain't no God. And Craig looks at him and he says, he said, what would it take to get you to believe there was a God? Mm-hmm. He's like, if you could see a miracle, would you believe there's a God? He's like, yeah, if I could see a miracle, if I could see a bona fide, legit miracle, I believe there's a God. And so <laughs> Craig's like, well, I'll tell you what. Let me, uh, let me pray for you. Let me ask, well, I'm sorry, Craig asked him. He said, do you have one leg longer than the other? He said, most people do is like a half inch or something, three quarters of an inch. Most people do. He's like, yeah, actually, I do have one of my legs is a half inch longer than the other. And Craig's like, all right, well, sit down right now. I'm going to pray for your leg. It's going to grow, and then you can believe in God. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a different type of evangelism than sitting here trying to start, start going into apologetics, and I'm all for that. There's a place for that, right? I've studied, and it's helped me. It helped me answer some questions. But when people see the power of God in manifestation... It does something. And this guy, he had probably had seven, I think he told us he had like seven or eight beers in him at that point. So he was a little tipsy. <laughs> when, when Craig looked at him, my friend Craig looked at him and said that, he was like, he sobered up. He was as sober as a judge after that. He was like, oh my, like paranoia hit him. Because he had just met God. Yeah. And he was, 
And, and he's like, no, I can't let y'all pray for me. And, he, I, and I was like, yeah, come on, let's pray for you. He's like, no, no, I don't, I don't want to pray for you. I've been drinking or whatever. I was like, dude, let Craig pray for you right now. Sit down, let him pray for you. Your leg, legs are going to grow. I said, I tell you what, if it doesn't, I'll buy your next pitcher of beer. Which totally messed with him because he's like, you're a pastor and you're uh, going to buy me beer? <laughs> he's like, he didn't know what to do with this. And so he, he would never let us pray for him, but then we get to, get to the end, he's like, you know what? He's like, actually, I do believe in God. He's like, I just don't like church. I've, my family was Christians, and they've seen a lot of bad stuff happen in church, a lot of hurt and stuff. And he's like, I just don't like church, but I do believe there's a God. And so we prayed for him and blessed him. I mean, he wasn't ready to serve Jesus that day, but all of a sudden we moved the needle from I'm an atheist yeah. to... Yeah. And it was through the power of God that he had an experience and he had an encounter. And if I could ever describe the look on his face the day I saw when we were ready to pray for him and to see his leg grow, it just, it just did something to him. And this is what we need to offer to people. We need to offer good doctrine. We need to offer good theology. But man, people need the power of God. You know, the early church, they didn't have all the technology. They didn't have all the Facebook. They didn't have all the stuff that we have. They didn't have all the... A lot of them didn't even... None of them knew the New Testament. Right. It wasn't even written yet. Right. And they turned the world right side up through preaching the finished work of the cross and praying for the sick and Amen. prophesying over people and seeing miracles happen. Yes. Amen. We don't need to get too sophisticated in our intellect that, that we leave that. Amen? All right, let me get over to 1 Samuel. Chapter 5. Before I read this, let me say this. That was the thing that really, when I saw that, 12, as a 12-year-old boy, I saw that woman get out of the wheelchair. That was the thing that changed my life when I was sitting in a uh, biology class as a 10th grader. And my teacher uh, is telling me how we came from apes and how old the world is. And, and, and I'm a person, I expect, I respect education. I mean, I've got a couple degrees, and I respect education. I respect people with masters and all this stuff, and all the people she's quoting with all these PhDs. I get that. I respect that. And they have all the science and all this fact. And I, I didn't know what to do with it as a 15-year-old. But what I did know is, maybe you're right. Maybe, we, maybe, maybe with the Earth is however many billion years. I don't know how all it works out, but all I know is there was a woman in a wheelchair that got out. Yeah. Your science can't explain that. That tells me there's a God, and his son is Jesus, and I don't know how it all works. I don't know how all the science and the facts shakes out, but I know God's in it, and he'll, he gets it honest, however he does it. Amen? Amen. <laughs> it's power. There's something with power that people can't argue with. First <laughs> Samuel chapter 5, verse 1, Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. And when the Philistines took the ark of God... They brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set it in its place again. Now I want you to think about this. This is the ark of God. This is the presence. This is the spirit. This is the same thing that's on the inside of you right now. Gets in the presence of a false god. Gets in the presence of the enemy the thing falls down. Amen. What financial problem is coming at you? What sickness is coming at you? That's trying to exalt itself that the enemy, and then you'll read later that the enemy, the, the Philistines, they propped it up again. That the enemy's trying to prop up to attack you with. Amen. 
And it has to, everything has to submit to the presence of God, the power of God. But we have to know who we are. And we have to learn to experience God in 3D, that, yeah, God did some amazing miracles through Jesus, but God still wants to do amazing miracles through Jesus. And He does it in your body. <laughs> he does it in my body. Amen? It's interesting, if you say out Dagon what that means, it means He's the fish God. It's symbolic. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Fish in, in Scripture often represents humanity. They were, they were trying to prop up hum humanity and human reasoning and human intellect. It's a picture of doing that. And that had to fall in the face and the power of God. This, I mean, this is what this needs. This is what our culture needs. You know, it's... it's, it's I can tell so many stories, but I just don't have the time. But go over to, I want to talk to you a little bit about how to release that. But I, I've just seen so many people. I had, well, I'm going to tell this one. Go over to Luke. <laughs> so I had the, we we're doing a small group. And I've got these, um, I, I got like my youth leader and, uh, and like my outreach person. They, their daughter, she's like 20, and she's in college. And, and she's like saved, but barely. And she's not sure about all this miracle stuff. And like her mom had got a word for her one time and she got her mouth healed and she prayed for her, her mouth healed. And she's like, what sort of witchcraft are you into? It was kind of, kind of freaked out. But then two months later, she comes to my small group and she's like, we get done at the end, I get done teaching. I'm like, does anybody, uh, anybody pray for anything? And, and all of a sudden her mom like, uh, is like, yeah, Lindsay's knee, uh, she's got some pain in it. And Lindsay, she kind of looks and she's like, yeah, she kind of looks at me kind of sheepish, like, oh, God, he's going to pray for me. Oh, she's not sure about all this. And her brother, who thinks he's an atheist, is sitting next to her. <laughs> and so, and then, next thing comes out of my mouth is, okay, well, I'm going to go pray for you, and all the pain's going to leave right now. And I'm like, oh, God, why did I just say that? What if it doesn't work? This thing's <laughs> popping through my head. Because, <laughs> like, she doesn't believe, and they think, you know, she thinks this is crazy, right? She thinks it's crazy. I'm like, I, but okay, whatever. So I go pray, and I begin to I lay my hands on her, and I, well, I asked her first. I said, what's your pain level? On a scale of 1 to 10, what's your pain level? She said, it's an 8. So I pray, simple prayer, power, power of God, heal her knee. I command pain to go right now. Get done. It's a 4. Hit it again. It's a 0. Yeah. Totally healed. She didn't know what's happening, but other than she just met God. And she's seen some bad stuff and whatever in life, because life will throw you some bad stuff. But she's met God, and she gets healed, and she doesn't, you know, and God's really doing some things in her life now. He's starting a journey with her, I believe. Her brother, who was, thinks he might be an atheist, because he's real, he's real intellectual, too. He's in college and stuff. He's like, well, that's a placebo effect. And she's like, no, it's not. And now God's beginning to do things in his life. God touching them with the power. It wasn't my theology. And again, I can go into apologetics. I can do that for a while. Not as good as Max, but I can do it for a while. <laughs> that's not what people are looking for. That's not what people need. People's theology doesn't take a baby that's sick and raise it up and make it well. So go, go over to Luke chapter 5. People need to experience God. It's like getting prophetic words and worship and stuff. Man, God, God loves us. And like we need to hear that. We don't just need to read it. We need to actually hear that. Yeah. Luke 5, verse 17. 
How do we release this? So if it's on us, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, same power that was in the ark, same power that was in the temple, that now it's picked up, moved on the inside of you and me. How do we release it? So Luke 5, 17 said, Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were the Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Yes. None of them got healed. Imagine having that small group at your house. So crowded, people can't get in. Nobody gets healed, and the power of God's present to heal. None of them get in. The one that gets healed is the one that his four friends will tear the roof off and drop him down before Jesus. Hmm. One of the major, this is not the only way. There's so many ways to release the power. The one I felt like the Lord wanted me to impress today and just kind of and just teach is, is just the power of speaking the word. Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and they are alive. That when we speak a word from Jesus, it becomes spirit. And it is life and it brings life. And you can look in the 24th verse and Jesus told the man to get up and rise. And all of a sudden, the power that's on the inside of him, on the inside of Jesus, now it gets into that man. And the man gets up and the man gets healed. You know, one of the things that when I, like when I pray for people, now, I didn't always do this, but one of the things when I pray for people now, um, I just have a feeling we're going to have an anointing to heal people later. we pray for people at the end. I usually will ask people, I said, where, where is your pain level? If it's something we can test on a scale of 1 to 10, where is it? Is it a 7? Is it an 8? Where, where is it? It's an 8. And I'll begin to speak. Power, Holy Spirit, touch their knee. You know, command pain leave. Pain leave right now. And I'll begin to use our words. Power flow. Power flow. Just tell them more. More, more. You can do it in worship, right? Just more, more. I mean, I've fallen down doing that, and just amazing. Because what? There's power in our words. And so as we just begin to do that and begin to speak the word of God and begin to release that and begin to direct the power of God, people will begin to get healed. Amen. People will begin to get touched. Amen. Amen. Is that a good word? Amen. I want to go ahead and. We pray that Max is going to come. I just want to pray just a prayer for everybody right now that we just get a revelation of who, uh, who we are in Christ, amen, and how to operate in this. Father, I, I just, uh, right now, before we do anything else, God, I just am asking you, Lord, that take everything that I said, God, and not just what I said, Lord. I pray, I, I, I thank God He will heard my voice, but more importantly, I want them to hear your voice within my voice teaching them how to take these things and apply it to their life, God. Apply this revelation to their life, God, about who they are in Christ. God, make it real to them, God, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of them, the same that was in the, the, uh, the, that was in the ark, the same that was in the temple, the same that was in the tabernacle now, tabernacle, now dwells on the inside of them, that they get, a, they get a picture of that, God, that when enemies come, that they have to fall at the feet of the power of God. And Lord, and I just pray that you help us to speak the word of God, Lord. We don't speak the problem, we speak the word. We declare the word over everything. And so, Father, I thank you that you're doing that right now, Father. Thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, amen.